Well, you know what? We got music by Christy and Cheryl. And they're the Scriveners. <laughs> Do you gals have a name of Sozo sounds good. Yeah. All right. Wait, is that a, a spontaneous no, answer? It's actually, it's, it's, on this, it's on our CD. We, okay. we, it says performed by Sozo, and that's okay. Christy Madison, my daughter, and I'm Cheryl Scribner Thurman's wife. Right. Thank you for being here, oh, ladies. We wouldn't have missed it. I know. <laughs> we wouldn't have missed it. Have you, asked, have you found out how we got here this week? I did. Boy, that that's awesome. Yeah. Do you want to tell our viewers about it? Go ahead. Well, God blessed our ministry with a twin-engine Piper Seneca II, six-place airplane. So Christy and I sat in the back and propped up our feet on the other seats uh, <laughs> and slept on the way here. Yeah. Well, Thurman is a pilot. Yes, an he an international pilot. Flew for Braniff. And anybody else? <laughs> Actually, I think he taught systems for Braniff and American, and then he flew for uh, a European Airlines and... I can't remember the other name. A couple of different airlines. Yeah, he was stationed over in Germany for several years. Anyway, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the airplane. That's that's a wonderful gift. And thank you for being here. What are you going to sing for us first? We're going to sing Sozo Me, Lord. Okay. How did I guess that? We always start with Sozo. It's our favorite. It's our theme song. Yes, it is. All right. Okay. Have at it.
abundance of all things. We are grateful for your love. He sent his son to save the world. He did it for me. And he did it for you. Amen and amen. You know, we got um, people calling in with pledges, Tommy. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's read a couple of truths. I'll read the first one. Here is Michael from Eunice... uh, $30 $30 a month. Well, I've got uh, Bob and Jeanette from Midland, and Bob happens to be one of our phone partners. And, uh, and you don't have a mic on. I don't have a mic on. And uh, <laughs> Irene from Midland, she renewed hers, looks like. 33 a month. Now you can read that one. Okay, I've got Bob and Jeanette. Midland, 150 a month. Okay, now. And Scott from Lubbock, 150 a month. Okay, marvelous. Now all these will go into the drawing for the $250 um, book store drawing, drawing which will be the last Thursday of October. 
So get them in. Okay, we're all ready to go with this gentleman sitting oh, over here. Oh, we are. We can Great. hardly wait. <laughs> you want to introduce him? Thurman Scribner, one of your favorite programmers, one of our favorite programmers, and probably one of, I don't know, I don't know if there's anybody else who teaches the Word like Thurman does that cuts no slack like the Lord. I mean, if God says it, that's it. Is that a good way and to describe it, Thurman? Yes, sir. That's a good way to that, describe it. That's but absolutely. If God said it, I believe it. And I try to do it. Yes. You know, because I know there's a consequence if I mm-hmm. don't. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I now realize that as I've read that book so intently for the last 30 years, I feel like I have more than a Ph.D. in that book. I bet <laughs> you do. Amen. I don't know what you would call it, but uh, <laughs> the more I read the book, the more I understand why people have the problems they have, both, both saved and lost. You know, now I realize that even the other day I was reading in the book, and it talked about these promises that God made. They work for both the saved and the lost. So the principles, so that's why the saved, the saved people are sick and the lost people are sick. Because when they break God's rules, it makes no difference, saved or lost. You know, you're still subject to His rules. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that, as I was telling you earlier about this gentleman, I won't call his name on the air. He probably wouldn't mind, but <clears throat> he's a pastor, a youth leader, you know, a uh, uh, director of a large church camp in the north. And uh, he had been sick with seizures for 27 years. And he said, there's nothing any more intimidating. And he's been saved 13 years. And he's in his 40s. But he said, I've been saved 13 years. And I've been serving the Lord. And now he's a director of a Christian youth camp. And he said, there's nothing any more intimidating than to come down with a seizure while you're trying to teach a bunch really? of oh people the Word of God. Would be and he said, I have them regularly. Mm-hmm. And he said, I've been to the best doctors and the best counselors I can find, and nobody had ever been able to help me. He said, the strongest medication they could give me, I still had these seizures. Well, lo and behold, somebody sent him uh, some of our teaching. I don't know who did it, you know, but people call us all the time and say, would you send my aunt or my uncle or these? And usually if they say... Now then that we've had the problem we've had, if they say send it to their aunt or uncle, we always call that aunt and uncle to make sure they live at the right address because sometimes they give us the wrong address and we get them back. And since we send everything out free and postpaid, I hate to have to pay the postage twice. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to get it right the first time. And, and that's effective tonight if people call your uh, home number, right? Yeah, our ministry number. Yeah, the uh, Living Savior Ministries at uh, uh, 940-242-2106. I think they have that number there. Yeah, there it is on the screen right now. They call that. They should be able to get through tonight. And uh, we got several people there at the ministry center. And uh, they will send them stuff. Or they can go to our website, which was up there a while ago, and which will be up there again, I'm sure. They can go to the web. Uh, yeah. And uh, they can order the stuff free and postpaid. You know, we don't charge anything for anything. In fact... Uh, week before last, we had the largest week we've ever had of sending out stuff free and postpaid. We we sent out 15,500. My goodness. Yeah, in one week. 
we're, we're on an average about 10,000 a week. And so by doing that, uh, it's amazing how God works so amazingly that uh, we've got three pretty high-speed printers that we print the labels on these with. But we couldn't hardly keep up. And so we've done some work on the Internet to find out who had the best printer. And we think we found the best. I won't call that name either. But uh, we think we found the best thermal printer out there. But it was not cheap. Mm -hmm. They were over $7,000 a piece. And so I bought two of them. And, uh, you know, that's $15,000, you know, for the two printers. And uh, Sunday, after I ordered them, I mean, the Lord had already given me the money. We had the money in the banking account to pay for them, or I wouldn't have bought them. But Sunday at church, I just made a statement. I said, you know, we don't have, didn't have enough printers to keep up, and I needed at least one of these uh, new high-speed printers, so I just ordered two. And I said, that way that ought to cover us for a while into the future. But I said, they cost, you know, almost $15,000 for two. But I said, you know, uh, God always provides. We're grateful. We got home that night and in the offering. One person had give a check to more than pay for those printers. One person. You know, so God takes care of us. My associate pastor, when I called him and told him what happened, he said, well, that's an affirmation to me that what we're doing is absolutely God. Well, back to the story that I kind of interrupted. Yeah. The guy never had any more strokes? No, well, no, he was having seizures. Seizures. It was seizures, uh, epileptic seizures. And when he got a hold of our teaching... You know, he said, nobody had ever told me ever that my sickness might be due to a sin. He said, I'd never heard that principle. He said, I've been to, you know, Bible classes, been to seminary, everything, because he's a youth director. And he said, I never heard the fact. Well, all I can say is we don't read this book very close. Because if you read this book very close, you'll find you can't turn to a book that that won't be confirmed to you in many times over. You cannot read this book from Genesis to Revelation and find out that sickness does not come from sin. It's just there, everywhere. But anyway, he said, I never, never locked on to this. So he said, after I heard this, I went to the Lord. And I said, Lord, is this guy right? You know, and he said, I'm praying. And the Lord literally spoke to me and told me, yes. And he said, Lord, if that's true, then where did I sin to open this door? to let this devil come in to attack me. He said, immediately the Lord revealed to him that when he was 15 years old, as a lost boy, and his daddy, which was a lost man, he said, I manipulated my dad. I, I wanted to go to a rock concert. Now, nobody, nobody, nobody under no condition would ever go to a rock concert. Yes. Because if you go to a hard rock concert, the devil is there, drugs right. is there, alcohol is there, sex is there, disease is there. If you want to die young, just go to one of them. Mm-hmm. But if you want to live, don't go to one. Amen. So I'll just be flat frank with you. That's one of the places where the devil shows up in big power. Mm-hmm. So unless you want to die early, don't go to a rock concert. Well, he thought at 15 that would be where he wanted to go. And he asked Daddy, and Daddy said no. Now, he kept manipulating and lying to Daddy until Daddy finally yielded and let him go. Now, see, that's not honoring your parents. See, when Daddy said, no, you can't go, the Word of God says, children, that's one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your parents so that your life will be long on the earth. We read that, but we don't believe God means what He says. We don't believe God would put sickness and disease or send a tormenting spirit to torment us when we break His rules. But let me tell you, He will. 
He definitely will. All through the Scriptures it says that. So anyway, he lied to Dad, manipulated his dad, to find, finally Dad said, okay. So he went to the rock concert. and But shortly thereafter, after he lied to his dad, he started having these seizures right after this. My goodness. Yeah, right after this. And he got, on to, he got hooked on some kind of a drug while he was there, too. And it took him, I think he said, six or seven years to kick that thing. So he lived in a little bit of a binder hell, you might say, on earth right. there. But although he finally got off the drugs, the seizures didn't go away. They stayed with him all those years. And 13 years ago, he got saved. 13 or 14, it was, when he told me that wrote me the letter, it was 13 years ago, he got saved. But not knowing the promises of God, although, you know, he got saved, he didn't know that Christ also redeemed him from the curse. So you can't receive something by faith that you don't even know is yours. And, and that's our problem. And, of course, he had no knowledge of this, but he got saved. Well, over the next 13 years, he still had no knowledge of it. And so he was under medication and everything, but, you know, nothing helped. He was still having these seizures. When he heard my teachings and asked the Lord, Lord, where did I sin? And he told him back there when he dishonored his dad. He said, immediately when the Lord told me, you were right. He said, the Lord literally told me that what you were telling me was right on. And, and that I had to repent. And so he said, I did. I asked my daddy to forgive me. But he said, my dad died six years ago. But still, he said, I asked out loud, Father, I'm sorry that I didn't honor you. I'm sorry I disobeyed you. And I'm asking you to forgive me, Dad. He said, you know, I'm so sorry that I did that. In then the it, spirit world, it'd still be oh, the same, sure. wouldn't it? Absolutely right. Okay. Absolutely right. You know, and so then he said, "I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, now I ask you to forgive me for what I did.'" And he said, "When I asked the Lord to forgive me, he said the Lord spoke to me and told me now then He would deliver me." And so the Lord set him free and literally told him that he didn't need any more drugs. He could the medication he was on from the doctors said, "Lay them down. You don't need them no more." At the writing of the letter, and I cried through the whole letter when I read it. After the first paragraph, I started crying. He said, I've not had a single seizure in over six months with absolutely no medication. He said, I'm free. And he, said, and he said, whatever you do, don't ever stop teaching what you teach. He mm -hmm. said, it has changed my life forever. Amen. But, you know, I have those kind of stories and testimonies by the hundreds. I'm going to say, we want for Thurman to come and tell us some of these stories because... I think people out there need to hear them. You told us another outstanding one, too. Pick out one. Well, there's so many of them, you know, that this one I want to tell you. This is not the one I told you a while ago, but this one is so powerful. One day, you know, when I have my own studio where I can make these testimonies and then send them out here and you all air them for me, I'm going to have my own television studio one day at my own ministry center Amen. there, Justin. And then I'll be able to tape these things, and then I'll be able to send them out here, and y'all can put the intro and the outro on them, you know, and be able to air them just like I do when I come out here. But you don't have to come out here. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I will still come out here. I won't uh, not do that. All right. I will come out. But this one, uh, this happened about three years ago, and there was a lady that came to my church one Sunday, and after church, she came up and asked me to pray for her and her husband. She said, our marriage is in trouble. Well, when she said her marriage is in trouble, I said, well, how long have you been married? Well, nine years. And I said, uh, okay. I said, do you have any children? She said, three. I said, are your children sick? 
She said, all of them are sick. And I said, well, with what? She said, well, the oldest one's the sickest. Now, it's amazing how this works, you know, that usually it starts with the first one, the firstborn. There's something about that that seems to open the door to the devil, and he wants to take out the firstborn when he has legal right. And so, anyway, her son, which was about eight at the time, he had already had surgery on one knee down at my medical center there in Dallas, and it was an excruciating, painful surgery. I mean, two or three days after it, he screamed with pain, even with the best medication they could give him. He still was in tremendous pain. But his leg wasn't getting any better. And the other leg was already beyond surgery. Oh. And so they said, you know, there's nothing we can do. said, the boy's going to be an invalid in a, in a, within a year or two. He's not going to be able to walk. And the other two boys had asthma or allergies or something extremely bad. I told her, I said, okay, now that I know that, now I want to know what the love walk is like between you and your husband. I said, has something come up in y'all's life? And are you walking in love? Are you obeying your husband? See, because the Word of God says, wives, you're supposed to obey. Submit means obey your husbands in all things. And she said, no, I'm not obeying him. She said, I will never obey him. I said, that's your problem, woman. That's your problem. I said, you're in total disobedience to God's Word. And I said, that's why your children are sick. She said, I don't believe that. And I said, have, is this all the children you have? Have you ever been pregnant besides these three? She said, well, yeah, I got pregnant three more times in the last nine years, but I had three miscarriages. I said, okay. I said, when did you, when did you get into this unforgiveness toward your husband? She said, the very first year we were married. I said, okay, your husband done something you didn't like, and you got into unforgiveness toward him the very first year you were married. She said, yes. I said, and since then, you've killed three babies. You've had three babies, and all three of them are sick, and one of them is fixing to be an invalid. I said, you are the problem. Wow. She said, you're crazy. I said, nope. I can guarantee you I'm right on. I said, the Word of God clearly says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35, if you hold an unforgiveness, it will open the door to the devil to you and your spouse and to your children and your complete financial world. I said, it will open the door. I said, and God sends the devil. He said he would in that chapter. God has sent the devil to your household to torment you because of your sin of unforgiveness. She said, I absolutely believe you're crazy. I said, take it up with God. Amen. You ask him. Yeah. I said, I've told you the truth. On the way home, she was really fussing and she was saying, God, this, this guy's crazy. He tells me I'm the problem. And the Lord spoke to her. And said, my son told you exactly what I said in his word. said, you need to go back and talk to him. And so she did. She came back and said, God spoke to me and told me you were right. Isn't it amazing? I tell her what God <laughs> says on the Word, but it don't mean very much until he speaks and says, I'm uh -huh. right, because uh -huh. I'm telling him exactly what his Word says. So she came and sat down with me and said, I've got to know what I've got to do. I said, well, what you've got to do, first thing, you've got to ask your husband to forgive you for not submitting to you to him. I said, is your husband a godly man? She said, oh, yeah, he works in the church. He's a very godly man. I said, well, is he trying to love you? She said, well, yeah, he tries, but said he won't be the spiritual head of our house. I said, probably the reason he's not the spiritual head is because you're taking authority over him. 
I said, you're trying to run the show. I can see it right now. You're not submitting to your husband. Mm -hmm. So I said, you go home tonight. First of all, I said on the way home, you ask God to forgive you for what you've done. Because I said, you have already killed three babies, and you're fixing to kill three more. I said, you've got to go home and submit to your husband. Well, when she was going home the first time, she asked God what to do. And when one thing I forgot there, she said, the Lord told her, said, Terry... Did I not tell you that you had to submit to me? And she said, well, yes, Lord. He said, you know what the word submit means? She says, yes, Lord, it means obey. He said, I did not tell you to obey me? She said, yes, Lord, and I don't have a problem with that. He said, didn't I tell you also to submit to your husband, just like my son told you? She said, yes, Lord. He said, that means obey him. She said, God... I will obey my husband only over his dead body. And she said, the Lord spoke to me and said, Is no, what you want? it'll be over your children's yeah. dead bodies. Yeah. She's oh. already killed three. See, so she that got her attention big time. So when she come back and sat down and talked with me and I told her what she had to do. So she went home then and she walked in and she told her husband, she said, we got to talk. He was already in bed. And he said to himself, here it comes. I, she's, she's ready for a divorce, and I'm certainly ready for a divorce. It's over. For as I'm concerned, I'm out of here. And she says, honey, I ask you to forgive me, and I will submit to you, and I'll do anything you ask me to do. I mean, he fell out of the bed on the floor crying. And it changed their marriage forever. And when she said she would obey him and submit to him, he loved her, and they made up right there. And, I mean, it, it changed their whole life. And then they together asked God to forgive them and to heal their children. Now, see, their children, they went to a great big church in the Metroplex. Big one. Great pastor. They got a good pastor and many other associate pastors. It is a huge church with thousands of members. But she'd never heard this kind of teaching in her church. And so, anyway... When they got everything straightened out and started walking in a love relationship, the two children with the asthma almost instantly were healed. All that just went away with no doctors or nothing. And then a few months later, they're getting ready to go back to the medical center in Dallas to have the legs checked to see how their son is doing. That morning when they got ready to go, the Lord spoke to her and said, Today you will be put to the test. Now, she didn't know what that meant. But as she went back, they, her and her husband took the boy down there to the medical center. They'd done a check of the leg that was, had had surgery that was going the wrong way all the time. And the other one was beyond surgery, which they couldn't do anything with. The leg that already had the surgery was now going the other direction, getting well. And the one that had not had any surgery had gone the other way, too, back to a point where it was, they were able to do surgery. And when they told him, oh, we don't know what's happening, but something's happening. We need to do surgery on the other leg now. And she said, this is what the Lord meant when he said, we're going to be put to the yeah. test. And they said, no. Her and her husband agreed. We will now just trust God. Now, see, when you get rid of your sin and you start walking in obedience to God's Word, you technically need very little doctor help. You know, you really don't need much doctor help. 
But now when you're walking in sin, you need a lot of doctor help. And sometimes even the doctors can't help you like they couldn't this boy. They couldn't help him. He had done the surgery. cost a lot of money. And it was terribly painful. But it didn't help. It was going the other way. But when they repented of their sins and started walking in love. Now see, that's the secret. We got to walk in the God kind of love. If you want to walk without sickness and disease, you got to walk in the God kind of love. If you don't, I'm going to guarantee you, you're going to have sickness and disease in your house. And until you get your sins repented of, you're going to have sickness and disease. And even the best of prayer warriors will not be able to get you healed. Because God sent the devil to you to torment you. And that's the thing the church don't like to hear. They don't. That God would send a demon to torment me. But it's all over the book. It is. All over the book. And before the evening's over, we'll talk about a few of those actual scriptures that confirm this. But they said, we're going to trust God. The little boy, he screamed, Mama, Daddy, please, I want to walk. Let him do the surgery. They said, no. The little boy left screaming. He wanted the surgery because he wanted to walk. They said, son, your mama and I have repented of our sins, and we're going to trust God and Him alone for your healing. Today, that boy comes to my church he is totally, completely healed. Hallelujah. Both legs are perfect. He's running and playing football. Praise the Lord. And that mother and daddy are walking in a relationship with God and with each other. And if I ever saw a man and woman walk in and sit down that's walking in love, it's that couple. Wow. They love each other. She submits to him 100%. And anything he asks her to do, man, man, she's quick to submit. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's what happens. Now, submitting, a lot of women that are Christians don't know this principle. They just don't know what it is to submit to a godly husband. They don't know. Even my own wife, Cheryl, the one that sang, the beautiful lady that sang a while ago, right after God brought me and her together, we've only been married two and a half years. You know, she hadn't been married in forever. And, of course, after my first wife got killed in that car wreck a few years ago, I wasn't going to get married. She certainly didn't plan to get married either. But miraculously, God gave her a dream on one night and spoke to me the next morning audibly and told me I was going to marry Cheryl. I mean, so what do you do when God tells you to do something? (laughs) Well, hey, that night you asked her to marry you, never had a date with Cheryl, never held her hand, nothing. And I asked a girl to marry me after a Bible study that had never held my hand, never been on a date with me or nothing. And because she had the dream... She knew that she was supposed to marry me. And so when I asked her that night after God spoke to me that morning, she just said yes. And so we got married 40 days later, and we've been married ever since. But she still didn't understand these principles either. So she's trying. She told me when we got married. She said, honey, I know I'm supposed to submit to you. But she said, I've never submitted to a man in my life. She said, I've not been married in 24 years. But she said, I didn't submit to my husband before. And said, I didn't know that I was supposed to. So, But she said, I know I'm supposed to submit to you, so I'll do my best to submit to you in everything because I love you and God told me to marry you, so I know this is supposed to be a marriage made in heaven. Well, and she was doing a good job of it. We were having a great relationship, walking with God and doing everything. And then, I don't know, a year, year and a half, whatever, after the marriage, one morning, about 2 o'clock in the morning, she woke me up and We hadn't been in bed but about an hour. We go to bed late every night. But she woke me up and she said, Honey, 
you've got to pray for me. I've got a burning fire in my stomach. I said, how long have you had it? And she said, about two days. I said, two days? I said, why did you wait till now? Why didn't you ask me when it first started? Well, she said, I've been praying for myself. I said, woman, don't you know you're in disobedience to the Word of God? She said, no, honey, I'm not in disobedience. I said, oh, yes, you are. I said, God clearly said in His Word that you, as my wife, you are to submit to me in everything, not some things. I said, I'm your priest. Jesus is my high priest. I said, I can't go around Him to get to the Father. If I try to go around Jesus to get to the Father, I ain't going to get nowhere. He's not going to hear my prayer. In fact, He would probably kill me because I can only approach the throne of grace through the blood of our, my Savior, Jesus. And I said, you can't go there without coming through me. So I said, you've got to submit to me. You've got to bring your petition to me. And then I take your petition to Jesus, and He takes it to the Father. She said, honey, I didn't know that. I said, doesn't make any difference. God holds you accountable. I said, repent and tell Him right now you're sorry. She said, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. I didn't know this. I said, He heard the prayer. I said, now then. I reached over and laid my hand on her stomach and said, in Jesus' name. And bam, she was instantly healed. Just like that. Hallelujah. I mean, He confirmed to her beyond a shadow of a doubt <laughs> that what I was teaching her is exactly what He's worth. If she hadn't got healed till the next day, you know, she might have thought, well, okay. But I mean, the minute I lay my hand, the second I laid my hand on her stomach and said, in Jesus' name. That's all I had to say. In Jesus' name. Bam. Instantly, her pain left. Determine what we need to do. Because there's women livers out there who don't believe anything you had to say. Oh, I know. But they don't believe the Word. That's right. But they ought to put God to the test. He says constantly... Put me to the test. Wait a minute minute now. Wait a minute. There's only one place Jesus told us to put him to the test. and It's not about this. But it it applies the same way, doesn't it? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. How would you say it to him then? Well, God, Jesus himself said we're not to put the Father to the test. Mm -hmm. But I only read one place in this book where it says we can put him to the test. And it's about, (laughs) you know, know, Malachi 3 about tithing. He says, there, prove me or test me in this and start tithing and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. Okay. But everywhere else, Jesus told us, do not put God to the test. And everywhere else I read in this book that they put him to the test, he got extremely angry and killed many of them. So I don't want, I don't want to go there. <laughs> you know, I don't want to say that because if I say that, knowing what I know, he might kill me on this set right here. You know, so I don't want to make the king angry. And I certainly don't want to put him well, to the how test. How are you going to convince people they need to do yeah. that? Well, the thing about it is, most of those women, bless their hearts, that are women livers, have been treated wrong by man. Mm-hmm. And it was probably a father or a husband that either abused them at home, and it was probably a man that didn't know God. Some of them might have had daddies that said they knew God, and some of them might have even went to church. But... If they abused their daughters, beat them, or sexually molested them, or anything else, those men knew nothing about God. Amen. You know, now, I can't say that we're not Christian because I can't make that decision. I cannot judge that sin because I asked the Lord that question one time. 
Lord, how do I know? This man says he's a Christian. He comes to church, but yet I know he's abusing his daughter at home. She came to me and talked to me and said, Daddy's abusing her sexually, regularly. But yet you confront him. Oh, he's do, he would do no such thing as this. You know, I mean, he's lying totally. Either one of them's lying. So I don't know who's lying. And so I said, Lord, how do I know? It looks like this man is telling me the truth. But this daughter, she looks like she's telling me the truth, too. She appears to be a very godly spiritual daughter, but yet there's something wrong with this picture. And from talking to her, it appears her daddy is sexually molesting her at home. She says he is. He says he's not. And I talked to both of them. So I said, God, how do I judge this? What do I do? You know, how do I tell if he's really a Christian? I said, Lord, I've got to have an answer. Well, it took me nearly three hours of asking him that question. And finally, he said, Son, your answer to this question is in Acts 10.42. So I went to Acts 10.42. At that time, I didn't have that scripture committed to memory. I do have now. But I went to Acts 10.42, and he says, You preach the gospel. That's all I ask you to do. You preach the Word of God to everybody. And it has been ordained by the Father in heaven that I, Jesus, will be the judge of both the lost and the saved. He said, it's not your job to determine which one of them saved or which one of them is telling you the truth. You just get it out there. You just get it out there. You just tell them what I said, and I'll send my Holy Spirit to take care of it. And if they don't repent, he said, then I'll be the judge. And if that man... After you tell him the truth, if he continues to live in that sin, even though he says he's my son, he said, I've clearly said in Galatians 5, talking to my children, that if one of those sins is drunkenness, sexual immorality, adultery, fornication, many others too. But he said, if he don't repent, he will not inherit the kingdom of God, just mm -hmm. like I said in Galatians 5. That's scary, isn't it? It is scary. It is. Scary. But see, the Word means what it says. You know, I'm sitting here at Thurman thinking about how marvelous it is that you're here on GLC Network. And what you're teaching and saying tonight is going around the world. Yeah. And especially into those cable systems, into India, in the Philippines, where they have never heard this kind of teaching before. Mm -hmm. To get them set free. Well, you know, one of the times I was here, uh, I don't know which one it was because I'm here about every three months uh, due to our shows and everything we have to make. But a couple of two or three times back, I had a 60-something-year-old lady call me the next day after I got back home. And she told me, she said, sir, my name is so-and-so. I watched you on GLC the other night live. And she said, I, I'm 60-something years old, and I've been in church all of my life. And I've never heard one, and said I've been in several different churches, and I've never heard one single preacher teach that sickness is caused by sin. She said, nobody has ever, but she said, before that night was over, I thought, this guy is crazy. But she said, I wrote down scriptures and everything you quoted that night, and I went to my Bible and I checked you out, and she said, you're right. Let me tell you a scripture right now that it's so easy if you read it in the King James, you can miss it. In the King James, in Job 33:19 and on, it says, And God chastens His children with... He don't call it sickness, but He chastens His children with... I forget the words He uses there, 
But what he's saying with whatever it was, he says, it's not sickness or it's not disease the way God calls it in that particular word in the King James. But it says, and it causes them to dry up and they get, they get weak and they get down to where they don't even want good foods to eat. And it says the bones that they had becomes under tremendous pain. And then it says their bones get to hurting so bad that they don't even want to eat so that they lose all their weight and there's nothing but skin left and the bone that they couldn't see before is now sticking out. What does that sound like? That sounds like cancer, doesn't it? But you read it in the NLT and you can't miss it. It said God disciplines His children with sickness and disease. That's pretty clear, isn't it? It is. Pretty clear. So people don't understand that if we have a sickness or we have a disease of some kind, we're sitting somewhere. Now, the very first man that I ever saw miraculously healed when I was a deacon in a Southern Baptist church in Louisville, Texas, the first man, and of course this story is well known there in that church, and Dr. Ben Smith is a great man of God, and he's still the pastor there, has been about 30 years, but he's fixing to retire this year, I understand, but I love the guy with all my heart. But at that time, I didn't understand these principles, and he didn't either. I mean, he had a Ph.D. from the seminary, and I didn't. But I had never seen a human being healed in 1986, just 20 years ago. I didn't, didn't know these principles. But I had, I had seen a few little things, and, you know, answers to prayer, but nothing, nothing major. But in 1986, I came in from an out-of-town trip on a Wednesday night, and when I walked in, I was told that a good friend of mine was up in the hospital and he had a very bad report from a surgery he had had that day. Well, this guy, if you'd have asked me, is he a good Christian? I'd have said, absolutely. This guy's in Sunday school in that Baptist church every Sunday morning because I'm there every Sunday morning and I see him. He's there in worship service. He comes back on Sunday night. And once in a while he comes on Wednesday. Not very often, but once in a while he even came on Wednesday. So if you had put a list of people in the church in front of me, which we had several hundred uh, in that church, and which one of these people rate the highest as far as good Christians, he would have been one of my tops. Because, you know, like Dr. Ben Smith used to say, if you come to church for Sunday school and worship service every Sunday morning, you're an exceptional Christian. He said, if you come back on Sunday night, you're outstanding. And if you come back on Wednesday night, he said, you're just way out there. And if you come to Tuesday night visitation too, he said, you're just, you know, because, you know, out of a church of four or five hundred on visitation night on Tuesday, we might have five. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe three. But hardly nobody showed up. So that tells us what the spiritual temperature is of the church. You know, we're not putting God first. You know, we put him wherever we want him. But this man was there Sunday morning, Sunday night. And sometimes on Wednesday night. But Sunday, Sunday morning, both services. Sunday morning Bible study, worship service, and Sunday night service every Sunday. I saw him every Sunday. So, is he a good one? I think so. But at 42, he's... And another thing, too. This guy is not overweight. He eats proper foods. Him and his wife both. 
If I ever saw two people that was perfect physically, it was this couple. They ate the right foods. They exercised. They rode bicycles. I mean, they were physically fit. I mean, you know. So how long are they going to live? 120 years, no question. Because they're doing everything right, I think. But at 42, he comes down with stage 4 lymphoma, terminal cancer. He gets weak. He, can't, he gets shortness of breath. He goes into the hospital. They do exploratory surgery on him after a few tests. Check him. Sew him back up. It's over. A few weeks, your history. I was told that night when I came in about him having the surgery. And so I went to see him that night. And when I walked up to his door, found his room at the hospital there in Louisville. I went up and knocked on his door. And his little wife, Ruthie, they had been married about 25 years, I think, somewhere in that neighborhood. I said, how is your husband? And she said, he's no good. So they opened him up today and looked inside of him. And the doctor said, he has lymphoma, terminal cancer, stage four, the last stage, in every organ of his body, and there's zero hope to get healed. I asked him, how about chemo and a 50-50? They said, no chance. How about radiation and a 95-5? They said, no chance. It's zero. He's going to be dead in a few weeks. When she said that, I heard the Lord speak to me just as clear as I'm hearing my voice right now. He said, he tell, called a man's name. He said, tell Ed, to call the men of the church to pray over him, and I will heal him. I'm a Southern Baptist deacon. This is the fourth time I've heard God speak to me like that in a voice I can hear at that time. Now, since then, I've heard it 30 times. But that, at that time, that was the fourth. I prayed with her, and I walked out of that hospital, walking down that corridor. I remember looking up, saying, God, you didn't hear what she said. Now, you know, that's a pretty height of stupidity. Because I may not hear what people say. My wife gets on me once in a while when I don't hear. You know, she says, you only hear what you want to hear. You have that problem, too. I have that problem, too. <laughs> but she has to speak to me sometimes two or three times before I get it. And, and there's, you know, so anyway, I guess all of us have that problem to a degree. But anyway... I, I told God he didn't hear what she said, but I can see the Lord now. He didn't speak to me again. He didn't say, he's a man, of, he's a God, a few words. But I can hear him now saying, son, you don't have a clue who I am. You don't have a clue what's going on on earth, and you don't understand why he's sick, or that I'm able to do what I said. You don't have a clue, and I didn't. Twenty years ago, I had no knowledge of what I'm teaching now. But I've had a lot of experiences with God, and I've read that book a lot of times in the last 20 years. But anyway, I walked out of there, and when I got in my truck and started home, I said, Lord, I read in this book where you said, test all the spirits. So I'm going to have to find something in this book that guarantees me that you'll heal him. Because he's got stage 4 cancer. One thing about it, if this guy gets healed, it's got to be God. Mm -hmm. It can't be nothing else. That's right. Louisville Hospital, M.D. Anderson, and Mayo Clinic had the same report when the results came back. Zero chance. It's over. He's a goner. You can't get any higher authority than that mm -hmm. on earth. Medical. Medical. So I went home that night, and for the first time in my life as a Southern Baptist deacon serving at Lakeland Baptist Church under Dr. Ben Smith, I opened that Bible and read, began to read under topic of healing. Never done that before. 
But in a matter of a few hours, by midnight, I came upon a magnificent promise in God's Word that covers what he had to have. And it was James 5, 14, 15, and 16. Now, James 5, 14 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let the elders pray over him and anoint him with all. And the prayer offered in faith. Now, not the prayer of unbelief, which is what most people do that use that, but the prayer in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Not maybe, will raise him up. And if his sickness is due to a sin, I, the Lord, will heal him. So there is that sin problem again. But this one, he says, if that sickness is due to a sin. And I don't have an answer to that yet. I've been asked that question before, but I don't have an answer. I'm still researching what that means because I don't believe there's any sickness and disease without sin. I don't believe it. Like I was asked by a missionary the other day in a big church I was speaking at in Dallas the other day, well, what about these missionaries? In fact, she was a missionary to a foreign country. And she said, we build filters to filter poison out of the water so the children don't die. She said, if what you're teaching is true, then how does this poison fit in? Why are the children dying? I said, it's real simple. God promises in His Word to any nation that puts Him first and serves Him, He will bless their food and their water. Amen. So I said, that nation where you're a missionary, the nation itself is not serving God. They're not putting Him first, so He's not blessing their food and their water. So that's, what, that's how that fits in. So anyway, back to Ed's story. After I found that magnificent promise, the devil spoke to me also in a voice I could hear. Right after I read that verse, he said, Oh, I heard this voice just as clear as I'm hearing my voice right now. And it was kind and gentle, just like the Lord's. I virtually could not tell them apart as far as the tone. He said, You've read that verse before. That was in your subconscious. It was just there. I really thought I was losing my mind, Al. I didn't understand the spirit world at that time at all. So I went to bed that Wednesday night and had trouble sleeping. And the next few days I had trouble sleeping. And that thing was constantly on my mind, my heart. Well, finally by Sunday, I realized we had to do something. So I told my wife Sunday morning that I'd heard God's voice and that we needed to, and she said we needed to go pray for Ed. So we did Sunday afternoon. We went, and I told Ed, I said, now, Ed, they had just sent him home that morning to die. He had been released from the hospital to go home because there ain't nothing we can do. You know, you're going to die shortly. Well, I went over there, and I took my Bible, and I said, I have a word from God for you. Now, I'm fixing to open this Bible and read James 5, 14, 15, and 16. I'm on safe ground. Now, I don't walk up to you and tell you, i got a word from God from you. You're going to marry another woman in three months. I don't do that because I can't find that in that book. That's right. Now, that there may be prophets out there that do that, but I don't have that gift. So, I don't say that to people. I only prophesy to them from the Word of the living God. So, I read that to him. And his return to me was, But Thurman, I've been in church all my life. I'm 42 years old. I was raised in church. I accepted Jesus as a very young man. And I've been in church every time the door's open, every Sunday, all my life. And he said, I never heard that verse preached on, never heard it taught on in a Sunday school class, never heard it preached in the pulpit. He said, if that verse worked, somebody would tell us. I said, well, I've been a deacon and a Sunday school teacher in the church myself for 20 years. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. 
Isn't that amazing? Why or how could I have been a Sunday school teacher and a deacon in a Baptist church and teach that book every Sunday and then read it and never come up on that Scripture? The devil blinds our mind to the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says. So, obviously, he had blinded my mind to that truth. So, I didn't know that. But he wouldn't believe it. Although it's a direct statement from God, written in the Word of God, he would not believe it. And see, God says you've got to have faith and believe or you don't do nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just don't. Somebody's got to have faith. Well, he wouldn't believe. So, a few days later, he's back in the hospital at Louisville with his lungs filling up with fluid, and he's drowning in his own fluid. That cancer is killing him. I, go, I hear about it, and I go up there again. There he lays with the tubes plugged in his side, you know, and sacks down on the floor, and liquids running out of his body. I mean, he can't hardly talk. He's in bad shape. I tell him, Ed, don't die. God's got a healing for you. He's got a healing for everybody, if they'll believe. That's all they got to do, is believe and repent of their sins. But Ed said, here's what Ed told me. He said, Thurman, I want God's will to be done, but I don't know what it is. Hey, here's his last will and testament. You don't know what his will is? Open it and read the New Testament. You'll find out what his will is. But if you don't believe it, it's just like he tells you not to sin after you get saved. But I don't know hardly anybody that believes that today either. Mm -hmm. I know very few Christians that believe they can walk every day without sin in their life. But God commanded it. But we don't believe that. Anyway, Ed's in and out of the hospital the next two weeks a couple times, and I go every time and try to convince him, and he won't believe. Finally, I told him that last time. I said, Ed, Romans ten seventeen says faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So I said, you go home and you read it out loud. And I said, he didn't say read it silently. It didn't say faith comes by reading. It says faith comes by hearing. Now, see... When you said, if it said it, I believe it, Tommy, I mean, I believe it literally. Mm-hmm. You know, so I try to take every word in this book and believe it literally. So if he said faith comes by hearing, I believe that's what he means. So I told Ed to read that James 5, 14, 15, and 16 out loud until faith came. Well, Monday night of the third week at 6 o'clock, I walked in the house and my phone rang and it was Ed. He said, Thurman, I'm 42 years old. I'm too young to die. I don't want to die yet. I want to live a little longer before I go home to be with the Lord. He said, I've been reading those verses, and that is a promise from God. So he said, I'm too weak to call anybody else. But he said, if you'll call some other deacons from the church, and I'll have Ruthie drive me up there at 7. If you all will come up there by 7, we'll meet there, and uh, we'll pray over my situation. That morning, I had stopped at the grocery store and got a bottle of olive oil. Because, see, this is my first time. I've never done this either. And we've never done this in church. I never saw this done in a Baptist church in my life at that time. Never. So, I call about six or eight men. I tell them to read James 5, 14, 15, and 16 and call other deacons or other men, anybody they want to, and tell them, men of faith, and I said, tell them to come to the chapel at 7 and we're going to pray for a healing for Ed. So anyway, when we get there an hour later at 7, Twenty-eight men show up to pray for Ed. When we walk in, he walks in weak, can hardly walk. I walk in with my little sack, you know, with a little bottle in it. And he says, what is that? And I said, that's a bottle of olive oil. He said, what are you going to do with that? I said, the Bible says, anoint you with oil. 
And I went back and it says, usually in Israel they use olive oil. So I said, that's why I bought olive oil. He said, have you ever done this before? I said, never. He said, oh, great. (laughs) We got a bottle of olive oil from the grocery store. And we got a bunch of men that's never done this. And they think I'm going to get healed with terminal cancer. Well, let me tell you, it's not the olive oil, but it was the prayer of faith. And I'm going to tell you, there wasn't a whole lot of faith in most of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that night, God had a purpose behind what He was doing. He was building something in me that He had a plan for Mm -hmm. way down the future, which even tonight, He knew I'd be sitting here on His set with the faith He's given me now Mm -hmm. and the knowledge He's given to me and the thousands of testimonies since then. And that after He taught me this principle about this, when we prayed for Ed... God didn't instantly heal him. It took six months for him to get well. But he didn't die. But he did not die. And he's still not dead. Mm-hmm. He's still alive. But after I saw Ed start getting well, and Ed saw he started getting well, he went to God. And he said, Lord, why did this terrible wasting disease come upon me? And he set his Bible down and dropped it, and it opened to Psalms 106. And he said, I love to read the Psalms. He said, they're always wonderful. So he started reading it, verse 1 of Psalms 106. It starts telling about how God brought the nation of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And how disobedient they were. And then what they'd done and how the miracles he performed. And finally, it said, they saw his miracles and they believed and they worshipped him. And then it says about verse 14 or 15... But soon they forgot who he was. Do we have that same problem? Oh, man. Soon they forgot who he was, but he gave them their request anyway, but he sent a wasting disease to destroy them. Mm-hmm. Now, that's in the NIV, and I think the American, and I forget which other translations has wasting disease. But in the King James, in that verse, it says, And he sent leanness of soul unto them. Now, you could miss that mm-hmm. in the King mm-hmm. James. Leanness of soul. You think, wonder what that means. It would be real easy just to pass right over it. But when you go to the NIV and one or two of the other translations, and it says, They soon forgot his miracles, and they forgot who he was. Now, this book says that in many places... That if you get forget who I am, you will surely perish. That's what he says. If you put any other gods before me, you will perish. In other words, he's going to send the devil to kill you. Mm-hmm. And it says, when they grumbled and complained, just like whenever they went out there in the wilderness, you probably know the Scriptures over in the Old Testament, where they came to Moses and said, We want meat. We are Mm -hmm. fed up with this manna. Well, Mm -hmm. the manna was only supposed to last a few days till they got to the promised land. And then they're going to go into a land flowing with milk and honey. But they get there and they, although they go in and carry out the grapes on a stick between them, two Mm -hmm. men, I can only imagine that huge (laughs) bundle of grapes. And they say, it's truly a land flowing with milk and honey, but we can't take it. They believe the lie. They believe the lie. The devil, of course, he's a liar. They've seen all the miracles, and they go in to see the land. And God says, go in and possess it, and I'll go with you. 
They said, we can't do it. We can't do it. been better if we'd have died in the wilderness. He said, I will judge you out of your own mouth, so into the wilderness you will go. So what we say is very important. So they went out in the wilderness. He said, now every one of you 20 years of age and older will die in the wilderness in the next 40 years. None of you will live. So they went out there and they grumbled and complained. Now then, I have learned that not only did God not like grumbling and complaining in the Old Testament, He tells us in the New Covenant, He don't like grumbling and complaining either. And if you want to get sick, just start grumbling and complaining. I guarantee you it won't be long till you or one of your children will be sick. If you start grumbling and complaining. I've got to tell you something. Okay. I had a dream the other night, and I did not know what it was. I now know what it was. You were part of that dream, and I didn't know what it was. I couldn't see your face. I saw it here. You mentioned men to go about dreams and so on. Yeah. God says, here's your key. You tell him, tell him what's going on. You know, what you're telling the people tonight around the world is something they don't get to hear. They don't hear it. The letters I get, we get in here that I read, it's always talking about Thurman or this or that. Different people has a different message. And in this dream, I was thinking about all the people in the world who need to hear the message on a GLC. And Thurman, I bawled in that dream. And I bawled in that dream because... I said, God, we're not getting there. We're not doing what you want us to do. And that's, this is just what you're talking about. they got to hear this message. And that's what I, my dream was. Now I understand why it's so important for us to take you and the other programmers around the world to where they can hear the truth. You put out more truth here in the last uh, hour and 15 minutes than anybody I've heard in a long time, except another program. Except... Except, except, we've got to get those words out. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, God, give me this message. You know, I mean, I mean, here I was a Southern Baptist deacon, an engineer in the workplace. You know, never dream. I'm building buildings, you know, designing equipment. You know, I never dreamed I'd be a preacher. But many years ago, because of my study of the Word, not understanding it by a long shot, God started speaking to me. 1977 was the first time He spoke to me. And then every two years, he spoke to me uh, till 86. That was the fourth time God spoke to me in 1986. And from then till now, he spoke to me over 30 times. Well, is this word that you teach, does it apply to people in the Philippines? It applies to everybody everywhere in the world. And all they've got to do is hear, hear and receive it. And receive it. In other words, I have, I have had people come to me from every kind of ministry. I mean, I'm not putting any healing ministry down, but I've had people that have come to me that's been to every ministry and could not get healed. And they come, and I tell them. I mean, I say it's simple. Just like the other, other night, other, other day at a healing school, I teach a healing school one Saturday a month in Dallas for about four hours on Saturday afternoon, one to five. There was a lady by the name of Jan. She came, she heard about the healing school. And she came and sat through four hours of teaching. And then after she came, she said, Sir, I've been a Christian a lot of years, but I've never heard what I heard today. She said, This is completely foreign to me as far as what I've ever heard. But she said, Everything you said, you took out of the Bible. She said, I just never saw it. And I said, What's wrong with you? And she said, Well, 15 years ago, 
15 years ago, she lost a feeling in her arm from her elbows to her fingertips in both arms. Couldn't feel a thing. She still had movement, and she could pick up things, but she couldn't feel it. She couldn't tell what she was touching. And when she told me that, she didn't tell me at that time that she had just been diagnosed with another disease, and she, the doctors didn't know what it was, but the lesser of the three diseases you could have because of the results that came back was lupus, which is a serious disease. But the other two were worse than lupus. And so on the way to the healing school, she's praying, God, please let me have lupus. Now, let me tell you, that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. That's a complete act of stupidity from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And if you pray to be sick... I mean, you're totally going against what God told you to do. That's right. You know, that's not what He told you to do. So anyway, she came, and when she walked up to me and asked me what, you know, told me what she had, I told her, I said, I'd ask the Holy Spirit to reveal people's sins to them so I can get them healed. And so I said, ma'am, what sin did you commit just before this problem came upon you 15 years ago? And immediately the Spirit convicted her. She immediately knew. Oh, my goodness. She said, I know what I did. I said, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. But I said, repent and tell God you're sorry. Amen. Now, see, she had been prayed for in church. She had had everything. Nothing had ever worked for this woman. Why? Because she had never repented of the sin that caused it. When she committed this sin, God sent a demon and he attacked her arms. And she, because the sin had never been repented of, she could not get healed. So she repented. And as soon as she repented, I said, now then, that you've repented, now then we'll take, for the Lord said in Jeremiah 1.12, I watch over my word to perform my word. I'm ready to perform my word. I said, so since you've repented, he told us, and he told us in order, just like in Psalm 103, he said, I am the God that forgives all of your iniquities. But you've got to ask. Then he said, I am the God that heals all of your diseases. So he put it in order. You ask forgiveness first, and then after you repent, he heals you. So when she asked the Lord to forgive her, she went in that. Then I said, now then, I'm going to take Mark 16, 17, and 18, where Jesus said, these signs shall follow those that believe. I can drive out these demons, and I can lay hands on you, and he'll heal you. So I reached up and touched her. And slightly, just barely touched her and said, In the name of Jesus, I command this sickness to leave you and for you to be healed. And I turned her loose. And she said, Is that all there is to it? She said, Am I going to fall down? I said, No, ma'am. You know? <laughs> I said, I do what God told me yeah. to do. I do the natural. And he does the supernatural. I said, If you fall down, he'll be the one to put you on the floor, not me. Mm-hmm. But I am not going to push you down. So she said, Well, I can't believe that's all there is to it. I said, That's it. That's it. She turned around and walked off and walked over where her seat was and picked up her purse to leave. And she screamed because she felt it for the first time in 15 years. She reached down with the other hand and screamed again because she felt it. And she said, I am already healed. Well, hey, it don't take God long to do anything. That's right. All he takes, all he's waiting on for 15 years was for her to repent of that sin and turn from her wicked ways and obey him. That's all he was waiting for. See, what we forget, God's in control. Now, we go out there and start screaming at the devil, rebuking him, and people fall down and flop and scream and kick, and the devils act up and everything else, and they go away, they're just as sick as they came in. That's right. Because they didn't repent of the sin. They fought that devil there. They had a good show, but nothing happened. That's right. Well, we're going to go to a song, because I think there's people out there who want to call in prayer requests. 
Let me tell you, he told me of a testimony of a friend of mine who got healed and delivered of a demon because of watching this program. Amen. And I know the people, and I know it happened. And so it can happen with you if you want it to. That's the key, isn't it? Yes. If they want to. If you want to repent yeah. and turn from your wicked ways and get in that Word and put God first, He'll heal anybody. Amen. But if you don't do that, you're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. That's Amen. right. Amen. Well, how's Cheryl, the phone call Cheryl coming in? Cheryl and Christy are ready to sing for us. I've got lots of prayer requests. Okay. All right. Sure so Cheryl and going to they're going to come back? Yes. All right. They're going to sing a couple of songs, and we'll see what happens. Amen. Okay. How big is your, is your Jesus? How big is your Jesus? Mine made the universe. How big is your Jesus? Mine gave me her power and authority over spirits in the heavens.
cannot lie or change. How big is your Jesus? Nothing is impossible. With my King forever, His word is settled in heaven. How big is your Jesus? Child. 
Through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what Therm is doing. And that's why, if you believe that in this GLC, I've been asking you starting this month, 
Let's expand this thing as far as we can. Take this message to the whole world. To the whole world. <laughs> and it can only be done uh, with you helping God do it. You're not helping me do it. You're helping God do it. Mm-hmm. That's what the key is. Is that right, Thurman? Amen. That's exactly what the key is. I mean, God, He uses people. you know, But He moves on people's hearts, too. That's right. So that's why you and I don't have to sweat it. You know, all we've got to do is just serve Him. And, and when we serve him, he's going to move on their hearts. We can ask people to give, but he's going to move on their he's hearts. He's got to give them to give. Yeah, he's going to move on their hearts. Okay. I mean, I give up this begging and pleading, and you won't never hear me ask for money. I'm on, I don't even know how many radio stations I'm on over the country. I never mention money. I never, I don't even say it. You know, I don't even ask for people to give. Because I said, God, I'm working for you. And as long as you support the ministry, then I'm going to keep on Amen. going. And that's what we're doing, you know, and just like you. So and I've when never he quits supporting it. Oh, he's paying the bills. I right. guarantee. But when he, we know that we're at the end of our rope, and we don't need to do it anymore. Yeah, that's right. When he says that's it. So he's he's taking care of us. That's right. He is, he's blessing our ministry. You know, he's paying for our equipment. He's doing everything. That's you know, right. and and it's it's just and we're getting we're giving away more and more and more. Never ask anybody for a dime, but yet more and more money comes in to pay the bills, which get bigger and bigger. It's amazing how he takes care of that. You hire another person, that much more money comes in to pay their salary the next week. I, I never ask nobody for nothing. I say, God, I'm working for you. That's right. And I want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege to work for you. And we saw that principal work here today. Yes. Did you want to ask him about that scripture? Of um, Well, we were talking just a little offhand here about um, the quail coming in. Oh, yeah. And um, you want to back up... Yeah, we back up just a little bit. In fact, you know, when the children of Israel was fed the manna, it was supposed to only be good for a few days, you know, and and it only will last one day at a time, mm-hmm. and it would rot unless on the Sabbath oh, day the they could pick two days the day mm-hmm. before the Sabbath. But that was only going to be while it was on a little short trip. Well, it turned out that they got to walk around the mountain for 40 years, so they're out there, and now after a few days or a few weeks, they're getting fed up with manna every day, and we do the same thing. We grumble and complain. Well, God didn't like their grumbling and complaining. He told them to go in, and they didn't believe Him. They grumbled and complained. And now they're out in the desert, and they're grumbling and complaining. And I mean, when you read these stories, you find that God don't like grumbling and complaining. That's right. So I do my best to not grumble and complain about nothing. You know, I try to <laughs> praise Him in all things, because I know He don't That's like grumbling says. and complaining. Yeah. But anyway, they grumbled and complained. And they said, we won't meet. Moses, what do you mean bringing us out here in the wilderness to die? It had been better if we'd have stayed in the land of promise in Egypt, you know, where we had melons and leeks and the onions and all that stuff. And boy, they were really complaining. And Moses said, God, what am I going to do? He said, tomorrow I'm going to bring a meat. And Moses, Moses, which has seen all these miracles, seen the Red Sea separate. He said, God, I mean, there's not enough wagons. There's not enough anything, nowhere, nowhere to bring this much meat to feed. we got three, four, five million people. I mean, you couldn't. We've had, I mean, of course, he didn't even know about freight trains back in those days. But if we had freight trains and a couple of jet airplanes, we couldn't bring enough food right. here to feed all these tomorrow. Get that in your mind right here. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. And God spoke to Moses. Moses, you think my arms got shorter? That's what he said in the Scripture. Mm-hmm. He said, tomorrow... Everybody here will have meat. Well, now, that's beyond Moses' ability to comprehend. He said, he don't know how God's going to do this. But we don't have to know how God's going to do it. But the next day, the quails by the millions flew in right off the ground about this high. 
And the people grabbed them and knocked them out with clubs and killed them and everything. And man, they were putting them away. They're going to have meat. And so they cooked them and they start eating. Now God's back there kind of getting angrier and angry, obviously, because He didn't like their grumbling and complaining. And so He sent them their request. But He sent a wasting disease to destroy them too. That's that same story that He gave Ed about his situation as He gave those in Psalm 106. Because it says, while in back in the older parts of the Scripture, not up there in Psalm, but it says, while they were eating, the plague came upon them and they died with the meat between their teeth. God didn't like grumbling and complaining. He didn't like it then. He, he don't, don't like, like it, it now. now. So you come over here today, and he says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes, Hebrews 13, 8. Mm-hmm. So when you get a hold of that, you come to Philippians 2, 14. Now, here a while back, I had a young lady walk into a Bible study on Tuesday night. She walked in like this. And I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I have a crick in my neck. And before I go home tonight, you've got to pray for me. I said, okay. So we was fixing to start, so she sat down. That night I was teaching in Philippians. Well, I have a two-hour Bible study every Tuesday night. And I teach the book just like it's written. I don't, you know, I don't read one verse and talk an hour about something else. I read the Word, talk about it, go on. Finally, I got to Philippians 2.14. I said, God says right here to do all things without murmuring and complaining or disputing. I said, now, He doesn't like grumbling and complaining today, and He didn't like it before, I said, so before we have many examples in the Old Testament where when they grumbled and complained, he sent the destroyer to kill them. So I said, obviously he didn't like it. And I said, it says many times God killed them because of their grumbling and complaining. So I said, here we come under the new covenant that's supposedly on better promises. But again, he says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. So I said, he's telling us to do all things. I said, now, if you break that spiritual law, I can assure you, he, God, will send a demon to torment you. And some kind of sickness and disease will come up on you if you continue in it long enough. This little girl thought, oh, my goodness. The one had the crick in the neck. Mm-hmm. She said, last Monday, a week ago, I walked into my office on Monday morning and Two or three things went wrong. And she said, I complained. And she said, the next day, more things went wrong. And I really complained. By the week's end, she said, I'm complaining because everything's getting worse every day. Now, see, she's not passing her test. If the first day the problem went wrong, she said, Lord, I want to thank you and praise you for an opportunity to overcome these trials and tests. And she would have praised him. The next day, she wouldn't have had no test, no problem. That would have been all gone. But since she didn't pass the test, just like the Israelis, she got sent out into the desert, just like they did. So every day it gets worse. So she's walking around her mountain now. By the end of the week, her grumbling and complaining has increased. So the Lord sent a torturing demon to put a crick in her neck. So Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, her crick is getting worse every day. She's still complaining. Now she's complaining about the crick. So Tuesday, she comes to Bible study, and she's sitting there, and she hears me teach this. And she said, Lord, that's me. She said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I won't never grumble again. Bam. Just like that, he delivered her. The demon was gone. The crick was gone. And she was instantly healed. I didn't even get to pray for her. 
But she did have to come up and tell her testimony after the yes. teaching was over. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's wonderful. It is. So see, I'm teaching something that virtually you don't hear. Mm. That if you grumble and complain, since he said don't do it, that's a spiritual principle. Absolutely. This whole book is spiritual law. It's God's law, just like the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments were his law. And he said, Moses, tell the people not to break my commandments. If they do, they'll have to suffer the consequences. Well, he's given us a new law, which is better, but he tells us not to break it. And, of course, one of the things that's so awesome, just like this man I was going to tell you about, Dave Rosenfeld. I'll, tell, I'll call Dave's name because he works for us now in the ministry. He was working for a large computer company in Dallas, and he was born with an incurable disease. Incurable. It was some kind of a skin disease. I don't remember the name of it, but whatever it was, it was incurable. He had had it back in several generations of his family. His mother had it. Several other people had this disease that he knew of in his family. None of them ever got healed. Well, he hated the disease because he couldn't get out in the sun. You know, he couldn't do a whole lot of things. He had to wear all kinds of creams and all kinds of things on his body all the time, just to even halfway control this thing. Had to take certain vitamins, but still, it was still there. And he still, you know, his, his skin would weep, fluids, and all kinds, all over. And he just couldn't get healed. About four years ago, he came to a conference over Plano that I was teaching. And I said, you know, I don't care what you got. Providing you have not committed the sin unto death. Now, there is a sin unto death. You know, I don't know what that is in every case. We know in the Word of God, one time it was lying over money. And so, when I learn there's a sin unto death, and I don't know what it is, I don't want to sin at all because it might be the sin unto death. It might just be that one. It might just be the one. So, I ain't taking no chances. Amen. Not even a little sin, you know. And, of course, God's the one who makes that determination. You might sin a sin, and I might sin the same sin tomorrow, and he didn't do nothing to you, and you might kill me. That's right. So he knows what the sin under death is. So I ain't going there. I'm going to do my best to walk holy. But Dave came to me, and I told him, I said, if, if you will be obedient, and you will do what God says in his word, and you will repent of all sins, I said, and break every curse, I said, he, if you'll stand on his word, will heal you of any disease. I guarantee it. And he was a computer science engineer, and he looked up at me, and he didn't say anything to me, but he's thinking to himself, this man can't guarantee God will do anything, because that's where we live. We don't think we can guarantee God. Mm -hmm. But I've come to realize if he said it, I can guarantee it. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, amen. about the next week or so, Dave started coming over, him and his wife started coming over to our church on Sunday afternoon, because our church is Sunday afternoon 2 to 4, where... Most everybody else has church in the morning. So they could go to their normal church in the morning, come to ours on Sunday afternoon. And he started listening to me. And he listened to me every Sunday for about three months. And he'd come up and told me, he said, hey, I never heard this kind of teaching. But he said, what you're teaching is exactly what my Bible says. So he said, I'm going to stand on God's Word for my healing. He said, I believe now I can be healed. So... He said, I'm going to, I said, should I get off my medication? I said, well, if you're asking me, myself, you know, just between you and I, I would say, yes, definitely get off your medication. But I don't know where your faith is. So I know where my faith is, but I don't know where yours is. So I said, what you need to do is ask God. And if the Lord tells you to get off your medication, then you get off of it. But if he tells you not to, then you stay on it. But I said, I know what I would do. But my faith level is in a different place than yours. 
I said, if something happened to me, I know what I would do. I would repent of every sin and stand on the Word, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything except trust God. But not many people can do that. So anyway, he went to the Lord and asked the Lord, Lord, what should I do? And he said, clearly, I heard in my spirit the Lord say, get off all medication and stop going to doctors. So he did. And within a week, he was much worse. In a month, he was much worse. In six months, he was really bad. And in a year, he looked like warmed over death. I mean, he was so broke out, his feet looked like leprous feet. He couldn't wear shoes. I'm surprised he went and he just hung in there. He come to me in a year. And if I, if I stood up and told you what he looked like, the only thing he could wear was a big old loose shirt and big old loose breeches with them hardly tightened around his waist. And we, he, has, he, he and his wife made pictures all during this. And he's got, I guess, a hundred or maybe two hundred pictures of what he looked like from the beginning to the end. And how he would have big old scar, I mean, sores that would be from here plumb down to his, I mean, huge sores, just weeping. He looked awful, Al, awful. At a year, he came to me and he came up and said, Pastor, it doesn't look like it's working. Mm -hmm. And I said, Dave, repent right now because what you're doing, you're beginning to go by what you see and not what the Word says. So I said, you repent and tell God you're sorry. You don't believe Him. And I said, get back in the Word. He said, what do I need to do? I said, you need to increase your quiet time. I said, you've been doing it one time a day. You need to do it two or three times a day. I said, increase your time with God. Because you've been away from Him so long that what you're doing now, you're trying to overcome that and come back to Him. And he said, you've got to diligently seek me. And if you don't diligently seek me, and if you don't draw near to me, I ain't going to draw near to you. That's what the Scripture says. So he began to really draw near to God. And I said, read those promises to him and put your name in all those powerful promises. Don't just say, if you, put your name there. And I said, and then turn around and read them to the devil. And say, devil, I am submitting myself to God, so you have no legal claim over me no more. See, the devil can't do anything to you unless he has legal claim. Mm -hmm. Where I get that is from Psalms 91. Anybody's read Psalms 91? If you can't see that, where he says, If you make me, the Most High God, your dwelling place, Mm -hmm. and you will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and He is my strength, in Him I trust. Then the next verse says, And I, God, will rebuke the fowler or the devil for you. And this nostril and pestilence or the raging epidemic cannot touch you. And then he goes down a little further and said, If you obey me and do everything I say, no sickness and no disease will come upon you. No plague shall touch you. And I will send my angels and give them charge over you. And you'll see the arrows that fly by day and the terror that comes by night, but it won't touch you. That's, that's right. And then in 1 John five eighteen, Jesus said, My true children do not sin. Somebody else said, Well, now, wait a minute. You're telling me we're not supposed to sin? That's true. They said, Well, how about that same book? He said, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar, and the truth's not in you. I said, hey, everybody sinned. I don't say that at all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But when you become a Christian, you're supposed to change. You're not supposed to still be a sinner. You're supposed to walk holy before God in obedience to His Word. And First John 5.18, Jesus said, my true children do not sin. They keep themselves from evil, and then the evil one cannot touch you. Now, see, if you don't walk in sin, the devil can't touch you. 
I mean, he'll shoot arrows at the one standing right beside you just walking in the sand, but it won't hit you. Not unless you open that door. Now then, how can you open that door? In numerous ways. Just like in James, he says, he gives us an example there that almost nobody believes this like it's written. He says, if a rich man comes in and you find him a good seed over here, and a poor man comes in, you say, set over under my feet. Mm-hmm. He said, you have showed respect of sinner, uh, respect to a person, and you have become a sinner. He said, you have become a transgressor of the law, and not only are you guilty of that sin, but you're guilty of breaking all of the law. And he names the first two terrible ones, adultery and murder. You're guilty of those two sins because you showed respect of persons. In other words, you just fell from grace. And when you fell from grace, you're a lawbreaker, and the devil has legal right to run in and get you now. And he's going to make you sick and afflict you. So when people get into unforgiveness, they're going to die if they don't get rid of the unforgiveness. They start talking evil about somebody or calling somebody and, and gossiping over the telephone. You're going to be sick. It's going to come up on you sooner or later. And guess where it's going to hit you? In your throat. If you are a gossiper, you're going to have something hit you in the throat or the neck. Just all. If you got in angry or hatred, you're going to have flaming fire in your legs or your feet. And you ain't going to be able to get rid of that flaming fire until you get rid of that anger. Or it's going to hit you in the back. Just like Dave. When Dave got rid of all of his sins, he did get healed. He increased that quiet time with God and with a little over 18 months. And anybody wants that DVD. We have that DVD we have it on CD and DVD. It's called Sickness is Satanic Oppression. And it's the first hour of that is pictures on the DVD and on the CD, of course, just speaking. But I'd recommend you get the DVD. Amen. Because it shows the pictures mm-hmm. of Dave. We done, he done a beautiful job of putting him on a DVD. And Dave got completely healed. And I told him now, Dave, you know you've got to walk in love. You've got to love your wife. You've got to love people. Because only when you walk in total love can you walk and remain in divine health. I said, if you go into sin, the devil's going to hit you. He's going to have legal right. He's walked without any kind of sickness and disease. The doctor also told him that this was in his DNA. And they could never have children since it had been passed down all these generations. It would be in his children. I told him, Dave, the doctor's telling you what he thinks is true. But I said, that's not true. That's a demon. Mm -hmm. That's what that is. It's not in your DNA. I said, when we break that curse, I guarantee when that curse is broken and you stand by faith and you get healed, then you and your lovely little bride, y'all can have all the children you want and they will have no sickness and disease. After he got healed, they said, hey, what Thurman told us here works. So we're going to have a baby. And they had one. The little guy was born at home. And he's a year old, a little over a year old, and the most beautiful, well-trained little guy you can imagine. I mean, they've done the most awesome job of disciplining that child. They take a, a little, little rod, a round rod, about a quarter-inch rod, about that long. And from the time he was a little baby, when he got big enough to sit in a high chair, he throws his food on the floor. Dave reaches over, picks up the food, swats him on the hand, stings it, and says, you don't throw that food on the floor. You keep it on the table. And so he picks it up and he throws it on the floor again. And he lovingly swats him on the hand. Said, no, you don't do that. And he picks it up and said, don't do that again or I'll swat you again. He picks it up and he looks at Daddy and he looks at the floor. And he eats the fruit or puts it back on the table. <laughs> I mean, the little guy is the most well-trained. 
I mean, but they, they use that little rod. Did Jesus say the rod of correction right. will drive the mm-hmm. evil far mm-hmm. from your children? Mm-hmm. And if you love your child, you will discipline them? Amazing what the Word says. It's it? amazing mm-hmm. that God knew this when He wrote the book. Mm-hmm. But Dave the other day did something. He went to Canada on vacation with his wife. And up there, two weeks with her family, he got into a little argument with some of them and got out of love. Well, immediately the sickness come back on his elbows and behind his legs. And when it did, boy, immediately he knew what he had done wrong. And he repented and asked God to forgive him and said, God, I promise I'll walk in love. And within two days, it was all gone. And two weeks, they were only up for two weeks. Now, when we think about the Israelite people saying, how did they forget so quick? How did they see God's miracles and then the next day forget? We haven't changed a bit. No. Two weeks later, just before they got ready to leave, they, they've got into a strife again with some of them. And this time, it came back worse. And this time, he repented on the way home, but it took two weeks for it to go away this time. This time, he said, Thurman, I learned my lesson. Wow. He said, I, he said God means what he says. Mm. I said, yes, he does. And when he said he sends sickness and disease to discipline his children... That's where it's coming from. And if you repent and turn from your ways and get back into a love walk with God, and then, now not everybody has the faith to pray for themselves. Some people have to have somebody who has more faith than you. Just like that testimony that Tommy gave me a while ago, or this afternoon, about the couple she called that were unbelievers, had the baby, had the tumor in his yes. ear. Mm-hmm. She called me, and I called them. Well, when I found out the mother and father are unbelievers, I can't ask them to repent for their sins because the Scripture says they're not... God says is not holding the parents responsible for their sin at this time as unbelievers. So they ain't going to know what it is to repent anyway. So that's when I have to use my faith. So since they're unbelievers and they don't know what it is, they don't know what's causing the problem, I can forgive their sins just like John 20 says. I can call upon God... Ask him, Father, in Jesus' name, forgive their sins. And I know this baby's sick because of the parents. It's not his little fault. He was only, what was he, Tommy, four years old or something like that? I don't remember. Just a little guy. And then I prayed the prayer of faith for that boy with the tumor in his ear, and God healed that ear. He took that tumor out and healed that little boy. But I've seen God do that time and time and time again. Now, sin is what opens the door. You know, I, I mean, we could go on all night talking about testimonies that I've called people and I don't pray for nobody mm-hmm. until I get... If, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I go to church. I never pray for them until I find their sin. Mm. Then I ask them, what is your quiet time like? Are you going to church? Well, no, I don't go very often. Well, okay, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to trust God's going to heal you, but when you, you better get back in that Word. You better get back in church because if you don't, it's going to come back upon you. If you don't put God first, like He said... Your sickness is going to come back on you. I've got to ask you, uh, these uh, two ladies have called in. Um, my husband is gone. I'm a widow. And would like to know, how can I pray for healing since I have no one to stand by me? Okay, well, if her husband's gone and he's not available and she can't get in touch with him, or if he's a non-believer, uh-huh. then she can go to Christ for her head. Okay. A lot of women out there are married to an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Well, in that case, for prayer, it ain't going to do no good to ask him to pray because he's not going to pray. That's right. He's an unbeliever. Or if he's a man that has... He's not really her covering. What you're that's saying. right. He's not her covering mm-hmm. spiritually. Okay. So that's when she's got to go to God. Okay. 
And so that's why she does that. So, and women that have husbands that are gone and you can't get him on the phone, then she can pray for herself. She has that privilege. God's not going to expect her to wait in pain and suffering. If she can't get him on the phone and he's forced, she can't, he can't be reached, then God will hear her prayer okay. at that point. Yes, okay. he will. That answered both of them. He did. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Well, we got a stack of prayer requests. We're down to about two and a half minutes here. And uh, Thurman has looked through them. What a stack, Thurman. Yeah, I looked through all those at break while ago when y'all were, the girls were singing. I looked through everything. I, I had that stack in front of me. Mm-hmm. There's every kind of prayer request imaginable. Absolutely. Well, in, in the sins in the world. Yeah, in, in the world. But my, my, my statement to everybody out there that has a need that called in tonight. First of all, you need to repent of every sin. You need to increase your quiet time with God and start reading the Word and putting the King first. Because He's the healer. He's the healer. Not me. All I do is pray the prayer of faith. And if you will get right with Him and get in obedience to His Word and start putting Him first, I don't care what's wrong with you. If you just start calling on Him in faith, He will heal and take care of your problem. But I learned these principles a long time ago. And when I learned them and started walking in obedience... I've not had a single sick day, praise the Lord, in over 20 years. It is an awesome thing to see God let you walk in divine health and to be nearly 68 years old and not had a single sickness, not a runny nose or nothing in 20-something years. But before I knew this, I didn't know Mm -hmm. that. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask you to send your Holy Spirit to touch the heart and mind of every human being that's called in. Lord, that you might convince them from your word that they need to repent of every sin. If they don't know what it is, repent of unknown sins. But many of them know what their sins are. And Lord, I'm going to ask you by the Holy Spirit to convict them so they'll know what their sin is. Speak to them. Speak to their heart so they can repent so you can heal them from heaven. Now, Father, as these people seek you out, and turn from their ways. Stop gossiping. Stop complaining. Start going to church. Start tithing. Start walking in love. Start doing what you have commanded us from your word to do over and over and over as they start doing that. I'm going to ask you, Father, for every one of them, especially those that called in tonight. But, Lord, not just them, but all the rest of them, too. Many of them couldn't get in. They couldn't call. But, Lord... Be merciful to all of them, because this principle will work for everybody when they repent of their sins and call upon you in faith. He will hear from heaven, and He will heal your disease, and He will meet your need. It doesn't have to be healing. It could be finances. But if you have a financial need, start tithing. Start walking in obedience to the Word. Start walking in love. And God promises if you do what He says, He will meet all of your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, Father... As people hear your voice and as they repent, I ask you to be merciful, merciful, and heal them, their children, and every prayer request that's here tonight, Lord. Let me. This program is brought to you exclusively by the love gifts and offerings of our faithful partners. Thank you, partners. This program is brought to you exclusively by the love gifts and.